Hello, everybody. Welcome once again uh, as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. Uh, and this is part number 210, if you've been keeping track. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be at today. Um, you know, remember, we, I, I've talked to you about why it's so important to study the Scripture this way. We go a chapter at a time, um, and we, we sort of highlight the major points of each chapter. But it allows us to look at the scripture in context. Um, and and it, 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 the, the, it's so important to hold everything in context. And the way we've done it through the New Testament, by starting with the Gospels, um, and we, we got a feel for the ministry of Jesus and what that was all about. And then we went into the book of Acts and we could see what the early church was doing. And then um, we, as we read about the missionary journey, which took us a long time to see all that Paul was doing, um, we, we sprung out of there into the letters that Paul wrote. And, and we looked at those at a chapter at a time. And, you know, I told you he was writing those letters to situations that existed um, on purpose. And, and, uh, and so they, they came to be and they, they speak to the church today. Um, but they speak in the same manner that, uh, uh, that they were written into the context of the situation they were written. So we talk about what was going on when they were written. And then we understand how they apply today. Because the last thing we want to do is start taking things out of context. And, and have the Bible start saying things it really doesn't say, because it may end up in, in all sorts of trouble. So we, we hold it together in context. We had a, uh, had a meeting with uh, the young leaders um, on our Thursday night thing today, and we were talking about the Bible and how cool it was and how it was put together. And one of the things that came up as we talked about this was that Paul's letters were actually written before the Gospels. You know, we read the Gospels first. Um, and we talked about some of the reasoning behind that. And, and uh, um, one of the reasons was the the early um, guys that, that actually gave us our Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, the writers of those things. Um, initially, and John, when, when they started their, their ministries, they thought that Jesus was coming back at any time. I mean, they really did think when he said, I'll be right back, basically, they, he meant he'd be right back. And, uh, and so they just started, you know, going out and, and doing the ministry. That's what they were called to do. And they did it for years. You know, they kept thinking he was coming and he, he didn't come right away, you know. And they kept looking. And, and then over time, um, they realized that maybe it wasn't like as they expected. And that they needed to record um, what they knew as first-hand witnesses so that it didn't get start to get, you know, taken out of, uh, of, you know, and expanded on and made something that it wasn't. And it was important that they had a record. They knew it um, as, they, as they were getting older. So they began to write. Um, you know, later on, all still by, by you know, the, most of the scripture written, um, why these guys were all still alive and acting as witnesses, and, and so within that whole generation that they were going. Um, but we had this, this, this taking place. And so um, we, we dug in and we read all of Paul's letters, and then um, now we're looking at the letter to the Hebrews. Um, as I said, we're not sure who wrote Hebrews. There's been a lot of discussion over that. We do know it was divinely inspired as a part of canon. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's a great uh, book. Hebrews is one of my favorites. Um, I say that about every time that we get into a book, but uh, um, Hebrews, I, I love Hebrews. And it's written, remember why it's written? It was written to a, a group of uh, uh, Jewish believers, uh, which was, you know, a lot of the church in the beginning, Jewish believers. Uh, but, but because of the intensity of the persecution that they'd been enduring, um, that they had uh, decided to think maybe they, they should go back to the way things used to be. And the writer of Hebrews has been telling them, you know, why that would be foolish, and in fact that it's really not even a, an option to consider. And he's been um, laying out for us, over these last three chapters in particular, 7, 8, and 9, um, 
the, the teaching that uh, was, was given to encourage them not to turn back because the old way had been replaced. And, and we look, you know, in, in chapter 7, it was all about um, that the priesthood that Jesus brought in the order of Melchizedek was far superior to the Levitical priesthood that was in place and how all that came about. And that was a, that was a lot of discussion. We, we, we talked about how the old sacrifice and the old sacrificial system had been replaced because Jesus had made a perfect once and for all sacrifice by, by giving himself uh, in the process. Um, we saw, you know, by the writer explain how the old covenant had indeed been replaced by a new covenant, uh, which is a better covenant. And, and uh, in, in the first half of Hebrews chapter 10, the, the writer of Hebrews is going to make the case that um, the, the, the perfect, uh, the sacrifice of, the, of, the, of Jesus in the new covenant um, is going to perfect, allow us to be perfected so that we can have access to the presence of God. But I have to explain what that means as we get into this, because it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But what it means is, and we've talked about this, that, that God now sees us in Christ. And because he sees us now in the perfection of his son, we have access to God in an unprecedented way until this point in time. And, and that's what Hebrews 10 now really brings into um, play. It's one of my, my favorite chapters. The verses 19 through 25 are, are perhaps my favorite in scripture. I start every uh, morning prayer time with them. And uh, it, it's something that I look forward to every morning. I, I pop out of bed literally thinking about those verses uh, in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And so we're, we're finally at that chapter um, today. So let's get in and read, and then we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that. There's 39 verses in Hebrews 10. to both sides of that piece of paper to get them in there. I'm going to read um, out of the NIV. Uh, you can read along in whatever translation you have if you want. We'll read off of the notes. If you didn't get the page on the way in, there should still be some in the back. And you can follow along and there's room if you need to scratch anything down on that paper, please feel free to do that. But let's read beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. And then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those 
we're being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, uh, let us not give up meeting together, Sorry, let us consider how we may spur one another. I should have gone with my memory. I was good, and then the words confused me. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light and you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, but my righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, there's some stuff that's pretty important that we covered. So, uh, so let's dig in. Um, the first half, those first 18 verses, um, and, and basically, like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a finishing of the exhortation of the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews as to why the, the people who have begun to follow Jesus should never turn away. And, and he says, the law could never make perfect those who draw near to worship. And what that means is that following the rules could never get you access to God. It was only in Christ that the access to a holy God is made possible. And I said, it's because God now sees us in Christ, in the perfection of his son, so that we can approach the throne. So even though we know we are not yet perfect, when, God be, when we've accepted what Jesus has done for us on the cross and all that that means, and that he's paid for sin, not just covered it, but paid for it, um, that, that we no longer need to be guilty, we can now approach a holy God in Christ because he sees us as perfected. He sees us as we'll be now. And, and that's a really important thing, and so we're going to talk about that a little more. There's something else in those 18 verses that I, I, 
there was, you know, we could go through all of it, but we don't have time. But I love this thing where it says that, that Jesus um, sat down at the right hand of God. And, and see, after he sacrifices, he sat down at the right hand of God. And, and the, the picture that's being painted there is that the Levitical priests, they had to keep offering sacrifices over and over and over. They could never sit down. But Jesus, because he'd done it once and for all, sat down. It's a picture of saying, it's done. It's covered. It's done. I did it for you. And then he sits there and just waits for his enemies to be settled until he comes back and what he has to do and all that. But he's done. He did it. And, and so it's a picture that, that um, of all that the writer has been talking about in Hebrews, that is that Jesus sacrificed once and for all was enough. And so he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He's already done that. But that's how God sees us in Christ. And that's very important. I want to talk about that again in a minute. So, you know, the, the Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 verses. Hebrews 10, 19, one of my, one of my absolute, it's, it's the one that's on my brain when I wake up. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, I, I, I tell you, I wake up with that thought. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place of Jesus, I, I, I know that I have access to, the, to, the, to God, holy God. And, and that, that verse, it, you know, it starts with the therefore. I love, I love therefore verses. There's the, again, I keep saying these are my favorite, but it's the therefore verses. You, you know why they're so cool? Whenever you read therefore in scripture, what you have to do is figure out what it's there for. It's, it's so cool. It's not one of those things you skip over. When you see a therefore, it means because of something that you just read, this is now in context and true. And so that verse that I just read, that big therefore, is, is the summation of his argument. And he's actually taking us back right there um, that, that God no longer remembers our sins because of his perfect sacrifice. It, it goes right back to... Um, Hebrews 10, 17, and he says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. Do you get, I mean, it's, so when you enter into his presence, even though you might have all sorts of stuff that you got, but when he's, he doesn't remember it because he sees you in the perfection of his son. That's, that's literal access to the Holy God. Not only does he not remember it, but he, he, and we have Jesus interceding for us, and we have the Holy Spirit who's helping us overcome that mess. But when God sees us clean, perfect in his sight, even though we know we're not being made whole as the Spirit of God continues to work in us. See, that's the amazing thing. And that idea is something that you have to take deep into your heart. What Jesus did on the cross was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And so because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done, we can enter into the most holy place. If you, if you ever get a chance, go, go and read about the most holy place in the book of Exodus and, and what that means. But, but the most holy place was, was where the literal presence of God was. We talked about this in our study of Hebrew. The, the most sacred place on earth to the Jews was the, the, was the most holy place. 
separated off, access not allowed to the common man, huge curtain separated off once a year, the high priest of the time would walk in to offer a sacrifice for him and for everybody else. That was the only access there was, it was that guy, nobody else. Everybody's access was, was limited to God through that one guy because at the time the sacrifice didn't remove the guilt of our sin, it more reminded it and it, and it covered it, but it didn't cleanse it. And that was the difference. That's why we needed a newer covenant. But now we can be in the literal presence of God. And so in His presence, why, this, why I love these verses, see, we get, we get this throne room perspective to operate our lives from. There's a verse in Ephesians 1, 18 and 20. It's not in your notes, but, but you can write it down and look at it later. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints and his unconquerably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So, so the eyes of our hearts are open so that we can know this hope to he's called us. We can know the riches of his glorious inheritance. We can know the power that's at work in those of us who believe. The same power who, who was at work in Jesus when, when he was raised from the dead, seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father, and that he has us covered for eternity. And so, so you have this throne room access now. And when you start, I, I think why I love that whole process and, and, and knowing that, that, that I have this access is it changes the way that I look at everything throughout the day. Um, when you have a throne room perspective, you will see everything differently uh, throughout the day. Literally, problems um, can become opportunities for God to move. Isn't it better when you have that perspective? I get overwhelmed sometimes with problems. Don't, don't think I always have this figured out. But sometimes problems are just problems, and I start thinking about it. Oh, but other times, if, I, if my perspective is right, problems are just opportunities for God to move. And He, he does. He's amazing that way. Uh, he does that. Um, worry and fear can be moved into faith and peace. And we can have hope in situations knowing that He's with us and for us. And, and it's because our confidence is in Christ because of what he did. Here's another verse out of Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. Write it down, look at it later. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace we've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying, look, in Christ, we've also been seated with him in the heavenly realms. We have access now because of what Jesus has done. In Christ, God sees and relates to us in Christ. And, and our confidence to be there in the most holy place isn't based on our own works, it's, it's based on Christ. See, by, by in Christ, because of his shed blood, because of what he's done, we have this amazing blessing available to us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Can you imagine? how the Old Testament saints would have longed for the access that we have, how, how the people who were trying to love God in the, in the old way of doing things were, were stuck in, in this such limited access to, to what we have. We have this incredible, I mean, I don't even know that we grasp it fully because uh, sometimes we just, we don't, we don't do it, we don't go for it, we don't spend that time to get consumed. And, and I think sometimes, why, you know, with this access, why is it that we don't we just start rushing into His presence as a, as a priority? And I, I think sometimes it's because this hasn't really settled on us, this fact that, that in Him, 
uh, because of what Christ has done, that, that when we're in God's presence, he just sees us in the perfection of his son. I think sometimes we get limited in the fact that we, we still know we're such a mess. We still, you know, we're like, oh, I shouldn't be here. And, and in your own strength, you shouldn't be. But because your confidence is in Christ, you have every opportunity to be there. You should be there. But that's the dynamic. I think, you know, uh, Isaiah 6, the great verses in Isaiah, you know, when, when um, Isaiah goes in and gets into the presence of God, uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah 6, 1, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six rings, and two wings that covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Can you, I mean, I don't, can you, he got a glimpse, and, and can you imagine, he's just, the, the angels like surrounding, and they're calling back and forth to one another, that thing. One of the, one side, holy, 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 and, and, and is the Lord God Almighty, and the, I think the other side is answering them, the whole earth is filled with the glory, and this is just, working its way around the throne room of God, these angelic voices, just, just, just magnificent. And there's Isaiah, and, and he's looking at this, and the Lord's on the throne, and, and you know, and, the, and it says there, the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke, and Isaiah goes, woe is me. <laughs> I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah's like, I'm gonna die because I'm a mess, and this is the, the holiness. This is this is majestic. This is like everything that you could possibly you know long for. And one of the seraphs, one of the angels, flies to me and says, "Come stand with live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar with it." He touched my mouth and said, "This this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned." Guilt was taken away and his sin was atoned. See, that's what Jesus did. Those two things. He didn't just atone. Okay, he actually took away guilt because of what he did. That's what he did. Isaiah. So he, he didn't need to be guilty standing there. Um, it was a picture of what was to come. That's why we have this access to the throne room. And, and, and so we don't need to be overwhelmed or we don't feel guilty on the way in. And, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's our opportunity. It's our joy to be in his presence. And, and so... Our confidence isn't in our mess because we're still at work. It's, it's in what Jesus has done. So because we still are messing up in our own lives, we still fall short. We still make bad choices. We still sometimes choose sin. But if we know that our, our confidence isn't in that, then the enemy can't use all that stuff as fodder to get us, which is what he loves to do. See, if he can make you feel guilty and shameful so that you quit trying to access God, he wins. It's a great victory for you. He's, and all he did was trying to stir up a little guilt and shame. We certainly have, but if we know it's not on us, it's on him, um, then, then we can stop him from doing that. So we have to spend time with him. I want to encourage you to do that on a daily basis. Now, then I want to read this, this last little thought. I'm close. Um, Hebrews 10, 26 to 32. In those verses, it says this, because I think this throws a, little, a lot of people off. Verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Because that verse makes, you might think that those verses like contradict everything I've just been talking about, because most sin is deliberate. And it looks like that's what it's saying. We, we still, I mean, you, still, you normally choose to sin. That's, we're not perfected yet. We're, 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 we're in Christ, it sees us that way, but we're a mass. And sometimes we'll still choose to not do the next right thing. 
But, you know, and that's why we have him. That's why we need forgiveness and grace and we need all those things and we're all at work and the Holy Spirit's in us. Um, but see, that's why it's so important to read things in context. When you look at those verses in context, the writer is making uh, that another argument as to why the Jewish believers who now know Jesus shouldn't turn and, and defect from their following Jesus. Because if they reject the ultimate sacrifice that was made for them in Christ, there's no sacrifice left that could shield them from the coming judgment. That's what that means. If, if they, their, their deliberate sin would be to say, okay, we're not going to follow Jesus anymore. We reject him and we're going this way. That He's saying that then they're going to, because Jesus is the sacrifice, nothing else will work. And, and that's the, the warning. Don't do that. It's keep your eyes on Jesus. Press on. Press in. Because that's where life is found. So, lots of neat stuff in Hebrews. And Hebrews 11 is, just keeps getting better here. These are, Hebrews 12 is cool. It's all, it's all cool. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. And so, get, you know, read it and think about it. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get back together next time. If you're watching on television by video, thank you so much. I know how uh, busy everybody can be, and I appreciate how valuable your time is. Thank you for spending these moments with us. If you're ever in the area, come and visit us. We'd love to have you here. We're here, like, all the time. So, uh, <laughs> just come by. And uh, we'd love to see you on the website. There's a prayer page. If you need prayer, you can let us know. You can call us, and we will pray for you. And uh, that's all I have to say about that.